morning. Glad to be with you here on this December morning. Back from uh, being not feeling so hot, I'm back, and I'm glad to be here with you this morning. We are in this fourth message now of this extended conversation that Jesus had with this woman, if you've been with us here in John chapter 4. But in this morning, the passage we're going to look at this morning is a shift from Jesus speaking with this woman to speak with his disciples who had been off on this little errand, and they come at the very end to see what Jesus has to say to this woman uh, who he has been talking to for some time. And Jesus, what happens is this conversation takes place between, see this in just a second, between Jesus, uh, or I should say between this woman um, sharing with the people of her town. And so she says, this is her 15-word sermon. Come meet a man who, who told me everything I ever knew. And, this is what happened, between that message to this town and the whole town, which we'll see next week when we finish this up, who come, many of them come to Christ. Jesus slows down and has a conversation with his disciples. And he uses this opportunity to teach them, and I think to teach us, the church, who he's been talking to through the disciples, his priorities and the true purpose of the church. If you have a copy of the Bible in your hand or on your lap, open up to John chapter 4, where we'll be, where we have been for some weeks. John chapter 4, verses 27 to 38, in a message titled, Open Your Eyes. Open Your Eyes. Follow along as I read, beginning in the 27th verse. Just then, his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want or why are you talking with her? Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him food? My food, Jesus said, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Don't you have a saying? It's still four months until the harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look to the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Even now, the one who reaps draws a wage and harvests a crop for eternal life, so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows and another reaps, is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work, and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. The disciples return and are quite surprised, right? What? Are, why are you talking with this woman? Verse 27. Their surprise is reflected in, a, in the prejudice of their day. Okay? You, if you were reading this book, if you had a full understanding of what it was like to be a Jewish person, let's say in the, in the first century, you wouldn't be that surprised in their surprise. Why is that? Because Jewish men, generally speaking even if they were in Jerusalem, would not normally be talking with a woman who was not their wife in public, part of the custom of the day. But certainly a rabbi, which is what they understood Jesus to be at this time, he wouldn't be doing that. So they come back and they say, what in the world are you doing, at least their thoughts, talking to her? But Jesus doesn't share their prejudice. Jesus doesn't share their surprise. 
This message is about opening your eyes to see the world the way that God does, okay? To see the people of the world the way that God does. That's the whole point of Jesus, let's say, crossing a boundary, crossing a border to go speak to a woman that even the people of his, that the Jewish people thought were to be avoided to say, listen, guys, ladies, church, Open your eyes. The first thing you need to do, the first thing I need to do, if I want to follow Jesus' example, is to start with your preconceived ideas about people, right? The opinions that we form before having any evidence of their truth, we do it all the time. The disciples, think about them for a minute. They return. They were on this little, little, little um, mission to go get some food, right? They're on this long journey. They didn't have, you know, a, a, a subways and, you know, buses in those days. They walked from Jerusalem to Galilee. That's where they were headed. Jesus said, we must go through Samaria. They didn't think this was a very good idea, but they followed Jesus' lead. So while they're going on this long journey, they go to get some food in this small town. This whole conversation that we have been looking at in these last four weeks... The disciples are not a part of it. It's just Jesus and this woman. But they come back, and they're surprised. They don't even want to be here in the first place, but now Jesus is alone talking to a woman, a woman who's a Samaritan in this town that they don't really feel they should be in. But here's the thing about the disciples, and I hope you see yourself in them. I think we're supposed to. They had never met this woman. As far as we know in this passage, they never speak a single word to this woman. But because of their personal bias, okay, which was supported by their religious convictions, they want to write her off. Remember where this whole passage started. When Jesus first meets this woman, he's Jewish, uh, an Orthodox Jew as a man, speaking just like the disciples. She's smart enough to know She says, when Jesus says, would you give me a drink of water, something very simple, she says, wait a minute. People like you don't talk to people like me. The Orthodox Jews in Jerusalem, she knew that. Why would you even bother talking to me? She reflects the prejudice that she had felt her whole life and people like her, right? And the disciples not only had their bias, perhaps because of her messy life, if they figured that out, but now supported by their religious convictions, they had written this woman off as unworthy of their time. But not only that, think about you and think about me. Not only had they written her off, we don't talk to people like this. We never have, okay? But they also misjudged Jesus' intents himself, right? Why are you? talking with her. They thought, what is Jesus doing? Let me say something about this moment. They're surprised. They're not only surprised that they're in Samaria, they're surprised that their their rabbi, the person they think might actually be sent from God, maybe he's the son of God, maybe he's the Messiah. What in the world is he doing talking to them, to this woman? But Jesus is not making time with this woman, but neither is Jesus violating, listen very carefully, The Old Testament law, right? See, that's what they might have thought. He's violating the Old Testament law. But the Old Testament law actually says nothing about talking to people like this woman. Think about this. The Jewish people started 
You know where, you know where the beginning of the Jewish uh, story starts? Many of you do. Genesis chapter 12 and a guy named Abraham. That's where it all started. Abraham didn't have any special blood running through his vein. Abraham wasn't, there wasn't any sort of a DNA test for Jewish people. Abraham was just a part of the general population. God came to Abraham and made a covenant, not based on his DNA, but based on a, a call of God and a faithfulness to Abraham. And the Jewish people started, and the whole thing started when God said, listen, I want to build a nation. I want to reveal myself. I'm going to bless you so that you can bless others. And you, Abram, I'm changing your name. It's going to be Abraham, which means, wait for it, father of many nations. The whole purpose of the Jewish calling of the Jewish people from the very beginning was not for their benefit, not for their glory, but that through God's work in their lives, they would go out into all the world. Listen, when Jesus Christ stood on a mountain, okay, at the end of the gospel, many of you know this, we call it the Great Commission. And he says to his little disciples who become the church of Jesus Christ, of which we are a part of 2,000 years later, he says, listen, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every nation. Jesus didn't make that up. That was 2,000 years old. All he was doing was reiterating the Abrahamic covenant. So what Jesus is doing here, listen very carefully, is not violating the Old Testament law. He's violating a tradition that had grown up around the Jewish people at this time. They said, we don't hang around with people like this. But for the disciples, this tradition had become conflated with the laws in the word of God itself, see? That happens all the time. A smart person once said this, 20th century philosopher said this, we do not see things as they are, we see things as we are. We do not see things as they are, we see things as we are. That's, I think, exactly what's happening to the disciples of Jesus Christ right here. They come back and they see something through the lens of their own bias, their own prejudice, their own fears and friends. I believe the same is true for many of us in our lives today. We look out to the world and how do we see it? Through our fears, through our prejudices, through our imperfect theology, which keeps us, ask yourself this, from starting conversations with people that are already in our lives or even that people that cross our paths. We've decided, some of us, in advance, right? In advance, the people that we work with, maybe our neighbors, maybe members of our family even, we've decided in advance, listen, they're not interested in the things of God. They're not interested in a life-changing relationship with Jesus or in a sense, we'd never say this out loud, they're really not worthy of hearing the message that I've claimed, that you've claimed, has changed your life. Right? So we go to work and we work with people, we live near people, we play softball with people, we do yoga with people and never bother to enter into a conversation with them about the things that matter most. Let me say something. 
Because you think, aren't we supposed to be talking about Jesus in the manger? <laughs> I tell you something. This is what Christmas is really about. Why are we talking about this, Rob? This is what Christmas is about. You know what it says in Matthew in the narrative, the, the birth narrative? They shall call his name Jesus. Why? Because he will save his people or people from their sins. This is the whole point of Christmas, is sharing the message of the gospel with people who are far from God. When I first became a minister, right out of seminary, seems like 100 years ago, you know. But uh, I was so, you know, excited. I got a job at a, a church, a big church in Dallas where I went to seminary, even though I'm from Rochester. And um, this church had just moved. Beautiful campus, multiple buildings. And it was in this beautiful part of Dallas, if you know Dallas. It was, but it was on a major highway. I mean, a major highway, if you know Dallas, I-75. So it was in this beautiful part of town, but because it was on this major highway, we had a lot of um, people that would often come on the door. I'm talking about, you know, looking for money on the highway. Maybe it was homeless people. Maybe it was people, uh, 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 drug addicts, whatever the case may be, often. And, and we would rotate. And this was early on. It was sort of my day, you know, take the calls. And I remember getting this call. And this guy, um, I had to meet him. And this guy came and sat in my office. And this guy was kind of nicely dressed and was clearly was a bodybuilder. I mean, he was just big and strong and, 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 and you know, and he, but when he sat down, I got to look at his face, although he was, you know, kind of dressed okay, dressed pretty nice, he, his face looked like he kind of lived outdoors, you know, I mean, he was a rough looking guy. And so I had my sort of speech ready, as we always did, which was this, we had a lot of people. We live in this, right on this, on this major thoroughfare, which is, you know, um, the speech went something like this. We don't give out money. We do have some food. We have a little clothes uh, thing. If you need that, I don't think he did, uh, maybe even a food card. But that was kind of how we managed this uh, daily experience almost in, in this church. So I said to this guy, well, how can I help you? Assuming I had already decided this guy's probably a drug addict and he's looking for some money. Okay, just confessing. That's what I thought. And he, as soon as I said, how can I help you, he completely, this, this, this tough-looking guy, his whole countenance changed, and he started to choke up and to weep. I thought, wow. And when he finally got a hold of his emotions, he said, I have the AIDS virus, and all I was hoping for was that you would pray for me. I said, absolutely. And I reached out my hand. He grabbed my hand so tight. It was almost like I was holding someone who was leaning off of a cliff. And I said, let me pray. And I prayed the best prayer I could in a, a minute and a half. And I said, I meant I thought we were done. Then he started to pray. And it was a very short prayer. And it was very colorful Words I couldn't repeat here this morning. But when he said amen, I thought that was one of the most meaningful, down-to-earth, from-the-heart prayers I had ever heard. He got up, I gave him a hug, he walked out the door, I never saw him again. But I remember that story because for a young guy right out of seminary, I said to myself, it was a reminder not to judge people based upon what you see. One's externals, whether those externals are below your station, so to speak, or above your station, so to speak, mask a spiritual need. Everyone in your life and in my life 
has a spiritual need. Our failures in evangelism, it's the most important thing I'll say this morning, are failures in love. Our failures in evangelism are failures in love because we let our fears, our prejudice, our bias, whatever things that we want to come up with to say, this person's not interested, this person perhaps is not worthy. When behind those externals is a great thirst for the things of God. Open your eyes. It starts with facing your preconceived ideas. Second, we need to relearn. Some of us, maybe for the first time, but many of us, we need to relearn. I want you to think about the disciples, the mission of Jesus. What the disciples failed, this is supposed to be ironic, by the way. These are the disciples of Jesus, the 12, the called. They went to the Sermon on the Mount. They were, the, they were the, sort of the insiders. If anyone ought to know maybe who Jesus was or certainly have a better sense of who he was or what he was about, okay, it was these disciples, these apostles. What they failed to see, why are you talking with her? He says, they say to each other. They, you know, uh, no one asked, what do you want, but why are you talking with her? But they're saying, listen, what are we doing here? What they failed to see on their return trip was the mission of Jesus actually being lived out right before their eyes, okay? The mention of food. Master, have something to eat, right? Verse 31. First literal, then figurative. Jesus said, listen, they say, maybe, this, maybe Jesus is just, you know, a, a week. <laughs> He's up to eat. Master, have something to eat. And Jesus said, listen, I have food to eat, verse 32, that you know nothing about. First, the mention of food physically or, or literally, then figuratively. Now it's a reference. What's Jesus talking about? He's talking about his mission. It's a reference to the Samaritans. They came out of the town, after this woman's testimony, and made their way toward him. Jesus said, listen, open your eyes and look at the fields. What's Jesus saying? I have food to eat. In other words, what I'm really about. This is what I'm about. Open your eyes. Look to the fields. What is it? Verse 30. The Samaritan town, or many from this town, are coming because of this woman's testimony. Jesus says, that's what I'm about. But the irony was, these are the people. Think about the disciples. When he says, look to the fields. These men and women running in our way from this little town, they're why we're here. That's what I'm about. These were the same people that they had just walked by. They had just bought some food from. Maybe sat in a cafe and had a, glass of, a cup of coffee or tea and then walked by again all the time, if you read this passage carefully, wondering to themselves, why are we here? This is a waste of time. We want to do everything we can do to get our business done but not engage with these people, okay? Let me just look at one verse that was mentioned last Sunday. Listen carefully. Relearning the message. Do you and I really know the mission of Jesus? Because that's the whole point of being here this morning. I was being a Christian. What is the whole mission of the church? John 4.22 said this. John mentioned this verse last week. But Jesus is talking to this woman about worship. And he said this. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. What does he mean by that? It's a long discussion. I'm going to get into it. But they had kind of, let's call it a half a loaf of theology. 
The Samaritans, the ten tribes of Israel that were deported and some left behind in the history of the Old Testament that was different from the Jews that went away to exile into Babylon, Ezra and Nehemiah that came back 400 years before Jesus. It's a very quick uh, Old Testament history lesson. But the, the Jewish nation was divided. That's why the Samaritans were sort of half-breed Jews, you might call them. But what they did is they believed in only the first five books of the Old Testament called the Pentateuch. They didn't believe, and there's no mention of the Jewish temple until after the book of the first five books. So they thought the temple was here, not far from where Jesus and this woman are talking, but the later revelation, David, the King David, was that it was in Jerusalem. But what Jesus is saying is, listen, you Samaritans worship what you do not know. You have an imperfect understanding of who God is and who the Messiah is. We worship, when he says we, he's talking about the Jews of Jerusalem. We worship what we do know. Now listen very carefully. This line is worth a million dollars here. For salvation is from the Jews. Not salvation is for the Jews. Salvation is from the, what he's saying is, listen, what God gave the Jewish people, what did he give the Jewish people? The law, the land, the promise, the temple, the worship. All of those great blessings were given to them. Back to the Abrahamic covenant. You shall be a blessing to all nations. It wasn't given for their exclusive use. Thank you. So we can differentiate ourselves from other people. We can even say, we won't say this out loud. We're above other people. We're going to avoid other people. They were not given for you. They They were supposed to be from you. Salvation is from the Jews. And listen, the same thing is true for the church. The faith that you identify with, if you're in this room and you're a Christian, or listening to me and you're a Christian, the faith that you identify with, the Bible that you might love and cherish, the blessings that you would honestly say you believe that God has brought into your life over the last many weeks, months, or decades have been given to you so that you can, yes, benefit from them, but share them with others. Salvation is not for exclusively the church. It's from the church. This is the whole point of the message of the gospel. And the question is, Do I know that? Am I doing that? Jesus is modeling this. Am I doing that? Are you doing that? But if you're not, okay, if I'm not, are you willing, it's the point of this message, to open your eyes to your fears and your prejudices, perhaps, and ask God to help renew your heart and redirect your life to be open to the people around you who whatever they look like, whatever kind of car they drive, who beneath their externals have a spiritual thirst that nothing else in this world can fill. Listen, our failures in evangelism are failures in love. Okay? That's what this passage tells us. So number one, you need to face your prejudice, and your preconceived ideas. We all have them. What are your preconceived ideas about people? Number two, we need to, many of us need to relearn the true mission of Jesus. Salvation is from the church. God gave you something so that, yes, it would, you, you'd experience the forgiveness of sins. Yes, that you would know the power and joy of the Holy Spirit, but that you would turn around and be a conduit to other people in your life and in my life.
Okay? Lastly, we need to get going. That's what this passage really says. The hard work has been done. Right? Don't you have a, I tell you, open your eyes. Look to the fields. They're ripe for harvest. Verse 38. I sent you, listen very carefully, to reap what you've not worked for. Others have done the hard work and you have reaped the benefit of their labor. He's saying, listen, what does he mean by that? Think about this woman's story. It's hard to believe when you read this passage straight that a 15-word sermon, this is what her sermon is, come see a man who told me everything I ever did, could he be the Messiah? Question mark. Now you could read, and then it says the whole town, or many of the town, much of the town, got up off their feet, verse 30, and said, we want to hear this for ourselves. Now why is that? You have to ask yourself, I don't get it. This woman was persona, persona non grata. She was someone that no one really respected. She had a messy personal life. If Jesus did know it because he was the son of God, certainly the people in this very small town knew it. She had five husbands, and, and who knows what all the reasons are, but she comes to the well in the middle of the day instead of in the morning with all the other women of the town. She's someone who's carrying around this shame. That's who she was. And now she comes and gives this short sermon and the whole town says, we want to find things out for ourselves. Why? Two reasons that I can think of very quickly. Number one, the passion and conviction to which she attests in this statement shows how important her messy life was to her own thinking. In other words, it's an exaggeration for her to say, come meet a man who told me everything I ever did. The only thing that we know Jesus told her about her life was, her, she had a, a, a messy relational life and her, her understanding of the, of the Old Testament was imperfect. There's a thousand things about her life that aren't mentioned. But, she, but it, when she says, come meet a man who told me everything I ever did, what she's saying is, listen, the things that were most important to me, the things that most occupied my imagination, the things that most get me down which was my own messy life, the shame that I've been carrying. He looked right. Here's, what, here's, a, here's a paraphrase of what she said. Come meet a man who looked at the worst of me and loved me anyway. And she must have said it with a, such a passion and such a conviction in her words and listen, in her eyes that people said, I want to find out more. Here's my question. When you share your testimony of a kind, right? Why are you a Christian? When I share my testimony, why am I a Christian? Do people see that same passion and conviction in my life? Okay, that's the point. So, get going, the hard work is done. It means two things. For, let me just make two observations. Number one, the passion and conviction in her story. But the second thing is, her sermon worked on this town because the point of this passage is this. We've said this before. The work of sharing the gospel, the message of Christmas. Listen, it's not, God is already in advance working way ahead of you. The Holy Spirit is already gone before you in the lives of people. The Holy Spirit has gone before me, number one. But the second thing Jesus is saying to his disciples when he says, listen, I sent you to reap what you've not worked for 
others have done the hard work. There's so much irony here. Guess who the others are? The Samaritan woman that they thought was a woman that they should need to be talking. Jesus is saying, listen, hate to break your, uh, your, 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 your sense of what's really happening here, guys, but the woman who's primed the pump for this whole town coming to the gospel, it's her. You walked by all these people and did as, you had a very limited, I'm, I'm going to have a limited amount of communication with these people. Thank you. Here's the change. You know, thanks for this. Thanks for that. I'm going to have a transactional relationship with the people. Maybe you and I have that in our life. We walk through, you know, our, our, our country clubs, our, you know, our neighborhoods, wherever it is that we go. We have a transactional relationship because we assume these people are not interested. Or, or maybe it's our own fears. Or maybe they're unworthy. We'd never say that out loud. Jesus says, that's what you just did. But this woman just went back and did the hard work for you. I got a, um, my brother uh, just sold a house. He's, he's storing some stuff in my basement and um, in, in transition. And, I, and he's going, this and that and Craigslist, a few things. I, get a, I take a call for him. He said, would you take this, this guy want to look at a piece of furniture. Okay, fine. Just a couple days ago. So this guy comes over. I come down. He looks at the furniture. He likes it. He says, I'll take it, hands me the money, I put it in my pocket, the transaction is done. He's buttoning up this piece of furniture. He said, I'm, I'm ready to go. Um, I'm standing in for my brother. He says to me, um, my bro- your brother told me that you're a pastor. I said, yeah, that's true, you know. And then he immediately disclosed you know, I'm, I grew up Catholic. He, this guy was, you know, my age plus. He, he said, um, but I married a Jewish woman and, and I haven't been to church, um, uh, you know, basically my whole adult life. It's not my thing. I was fine. I wasn't, I said, that's cool. And I figured um, that was that. And then as we're just about getting done, he says, ask me a question. Can I ask you a question? Sure. Uh, I got this real. I have these questions about the Old Testament. Okay, so I do my best. Answer. I thought we're done. Okay. <laughs> then he said, because he kind of self-disclosed, I'm not really a religious kind of a guy. Then he said, I just have a question about the New Testament. Okay, so we talked about the New Testament. Then he said, I have another question about the miracles of Jesus. Do you really believe in? So we started talking about the miracles of Jesus. Listen, 45 minutes went by. Now. When he got to um, the end, I, I, near the end of this conversation, he said this. He said, you know, and now I kind of relaxed, you know. I'm thinking, I don't know when this is going to end. I'm happy to, to do it. I'm standing up in the basement of my house. He said, um, I've heard that people say this, that they come to a place where they trust Jesus Christ as their, he used this word, their, their personal Lord and Savior. I thought, is this a skit? I didn't know what was going on. And I said, well, that's, that's true. I was, then I thought, what's, is this guy, is this a, you know. And I said, that's very true. And I said a few things about my own life. And then he said this. He could probably look the look on my, my face like, what's going on? He said, well, you see, I have a cousin who's a lot like you. In other words, who, who's a Christian. And I said, oh, now I understand I sent you, Rob, to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work. That's what Jesus is saying. Guys, listen. 
There are people, here's my point, I'm done. There are people like this guy in every life in this room and everyone listening. You don't have to get on a plane. You don't have to do anything unusual. You and I walk by, people work with, people live by, people hang out with, people uh, play softball with, people play hockey with, people go to the store with, people all over in our family who are just like this guy. And Jesus is saying, listen, open your eyes. Face your preconceived ideas about other people. Face your own fears. Relearn the message of Jesus and get going because a lot of the hard work has been done. Okay? A lot of the hard work has been done. If we want to reach people who are far from God, we need to see them the way Jesus does. Here's our takeaways. Number one, you need to start with your preconceived ideas. I mean, really take some time, write them down, because they're different than mine. Confess them and ask God to redirect your life. What are your preconceived ideas about the people in your family? What's your preconceived ideas about the people you, you hang with and work with, but you haven't had a conversation with this work colleagues forever about God or in a very long time? Write them down, confess them, ask God to redirect. Listen, relearn the message of Jesus. We need to stop we would never say this out loud, avoiding people. And we need to start being open and in a sense lovingly move toward them in conversation. And then we need to pray and ask God who are those people in our lives. We need to get going because the hard work has been done. Right? God is going in before you. Jesus is going before you. Um, amen? Let me pray for us. God, thank you for this day. We love you. We thank you. Ask for your blessing, Lord, all of us, as we sit here in this, in this beautiful room on this December the 12th, if that's what today is, Lord, we thank you and praise you for uh, this, the privilege we have to know you as Lord and Savior, Lord. And we just pray, Lord, that you would help us. Help us to really think hard about not only our own hearts and what's standing in our way, but to think really about what, the, what, the, what is the message of Christmas? What is the purpose of the church? Yes, it's to experience grace and peace and power in our own lives. But Lord, you've called us to share it with people in this world who are ever more in, in, caught in the confusion and the, and the um, division of a world that's lost its way. Um, Lord, help us, I pray. Help me, help us to open our eyes and to see the way people the way you do and in your strength and your power to go reach them, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Watch this brief video about Christmas Eve before you go. Have a great Sunday.